welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me, my friends. I'm excited to get this episode started with you. In fact, let me start this episode off with a statement and a question, kind of both. Um, You know, today's world is changing faster and faster, and not always for the better. I mean, there are good things that come with change, but there's some things that aren't so great. And we're seeing such changes uh, happen, not just in our world, but really within generations. We're seeing huge mindset and value shifts, um, identity crisis, and much, much more with this next generation. And so uh, today's leaders really do need to be prepared to meet head on this next generation and understand what changes are happening and get out in front. Um, We cannot be behind on this, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel. So before we start, Maybe you're a leader that 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 statement right there just made you feel very unprepared. And maybe you're unsure how to handle some of these changes. Or maybe there's a lot of things in leadership right now that you're struggling with and you just aren't sure how to do it and you feel very alone. Well, that's why I want to recommend kmccoach.net. It's a top tier coaching program that helps meet you where you are. You start off with an assessment about you and your ministry, and then it builds a custom journey that moves you from self-doubt to confidence. So you can go from being unsure in your direction to taking real next steps and seeing the fruit come from your ministry. So to see if this would be a good fit for you, head over to kmccoach.net, schedule a clarity call. It's 30 minutes long. It'll help you assess whether this is a right fit for you and you'll get your questions answered and see which program journey fits you and your budget for your ministry. So don't be overwhelmed. Stop leading alone. Lean in to some other experience and grow yourself and grow your ministry. All right, let's jump into today's episode. I want to introduce to you a new friend of mine uh, to the Kid Ministry Collective. Her name is Janine McNally, and she is a professor and an author, and I'll let her tell her story a little bit in just a second, but she's got a fabulous new book that's soon to be released right around the time of this podcast here uh, at the end of April, 2023, 1st of May. Uh, And so you're definitely going to want to check this out. I highly recommend it because it's going to help you answer some of these questions about this next generation. Her book's called When You See Fireflies, Helping Leaders and Parents Minister More Effectively to Generation Alpha. And uh, welcome to the KMC, Janine. It's so good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because I think a lot of people haven't met you yet and they don't know about your ministry. So fill us in a little bit about who you are. Sure. You probably can't tell from my voice um, that I'm from Australia, but I am. Uh, I was originally a high school teacher, uh, came over to America to study my Master of Theology at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, which is where I met my husband, Gary. Um, We have been working for 30 plus years now in youth and pastoral and church planting ministry, and then most recently children's ministry. 
Um, when I stepped out from children's ministry a year and a half ago, I began the nonprofit Grace for Kids. And the focus of that is to produce gospel-centered resources uh, for kids' ministry. Um, now I'm also finishing up my doctoral degree and I'm teaching children's ministry, which is really cool, um, <laughs> at my school, Grace School of Theology in Houston, Texas. It's the first time they've had any kinds of classes for kids' ministry, so that's really great. I'll be teaching grad and undergrad classes in a couple of weeks, actually, we're starting. That is fabulous. Um, I'm super excited about that. Um, we need to see more uh, schools teaching uh, there, there was a while that, that there, it was out there and then they kind of disappeared. And I'm glad to hear that some are coming back or starting mm -hmm. new ones because uh, yep. it is much, much needed. Um, so, well, you know that we always start off the Kid Ministry Collective podcast uh, with a why question. So here comes your why. I'm curious, why did you choose to write about Generation Alpha? Um, what was the draw for you? Uh, what, what led you to this journey? Well, um, I was preparing my classes that I'm going to be teaching. This is last year. I like to prepare well in advance. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, I thought, well, I'll just turn this into a book because that's what everybody does, right? They just turn their <laughs> class into a book. And then I thought, no, that would be really boring because everybody's already written about children's ministry. So I continued to read and research and I came along a footnote um, that the footnote said it was uh, an article called, said, I, Understanding Generation Alpha. Um, and believe it or not, it was written by a professor of psychology in India. Um, how I bumped into that, I don't know, but I read it and I thought, Generation Alpha, who are they? Um, so that kind of, kind of got me started researching that and then putting that together with the fact that uh, we're losing kids and their families at an alarming rate. It, it really said, just rang bells in my head. And I thought, I got to do that one. That's what I'm going to write about. So that's where it came from. All right. Interesting. Because the other part that did intrigue me was the title, When mm -hmm. You See Fireflies. Yeah. Um, how'd you come up with that? What, what What's the story behind that? Yeah. Funny thing. I didn't come up with it. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to call it some bland name. And my oldest daughter, she said, Mom, why don't you call it When You See Fireflies? And I was like, huh? She said, remember when we were little and we lived in Pennsylvania, we would go outside to play and we said to you, when do we have to come in? And you would say, when you see fireflies, because <laughs> our backyard would fill with them. It was a marshy at the back. It was marshy and, and dense forest. And they would come out and, and it would, it's obvious when they light up the darkness, you can't miss them. And so she said, you know, we didn't have watch a watch or a phone or anything like that. So you use that as a way to get our attention. Now's the time to come in. It's getting dark. And I was like, oh, I like it. So that's where it came from. Um, there are a lot of illustrations coming from there, like fireflies only glow for a short time. So the need is urgent. Um, and so I see children's ministry workers as the firefly taking the light out into the darkness and drawing the kids back inside where it's safe. So, yeah, that's where it came from. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love the story. Um, and yeah, my, I, I grew up in that, you know, we, it was, it was when you see the street lights come on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. You know, we were outside until the street lights came on and sometimes yep. a little after. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so when the fireflies came out, then we really knew, uh oh, we better get <laughs> home or we're going to get in trouble. Yep. Um, 
but uh, yeah, that was quite, you know, those were the days that's for sure. Um, so let's dive into to the book a little bit, but before we do get too deep in, we obviously need to, de- to define what generation alpha is and who are they and what are they like? What's the character main characteristics? Cause you know, I mean, everybody, when you say millennials, pictures pop up in mm-hmm. their head, but generation alpha is a new term. Um, and I don't know how many leaders are really, truly, uh, tuned into this yet. So, I mean, they should be, we all should be, but how, how did you, how do you define it and what's some of their main characteristics? Well, when I, when I first started researching it, that's, I noticed everybody was talking still about generation Z, even youth ministry leaders. And when I looked them up, uh, generation alpha are born between 2010 and 2024. So if you do your math, the oldest of them are turning 13 this year. So they are the kids we have in youth in children's ministry, not Gen Z. <clears throat> and it was interesting, um, as I did my research, Generation Alpha, that term was actually designated by an Australian. Woo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a social research analyst. His name is Mark McCrindle. He is a believer um, and he's done a lot of research on this generation. So a lot of the information, if you Google Generation Alpha, uh, or go on Amazon. He has a, an excellent book that he wrote about it, but it wasn't within Christian circles specifically. I contacted him and I said, have you done any research regarding children's ministry or whether it's the same over here in the States as it is in Australia? And he said, it's definitely the same in the States, but we have not touched on children's ministry. So that's mm. when I thought, oh goodness, that's what I want to do. Um, so by the time they're finished their generation, there will be 2.5 um there's more than two and a half million born every day. So more than 2 billion wow. uh, in this generation. Um, my favorite al- alphas have just been born. I just, um, our daughter gave birth <laughs> to two uh, twin alpha boys. There so they're very special to me. But the distinction for them is that they were born into a world of technology. Um, if mm. you think back to your older kids, they probably got a phone when they were late teens or a laptop for school when they were in their late teens, early 20s or whatever. These kids are born and we shove an iPad into their hand. Um, I was at a restaurant the other day and you know how they normally bring out um, like coloring sheets and crayons with the menu on the other side. They did that and that was pushed to the side and both of the little girls were playing on iPads. Um, That's that's who they are. They were born into a world full of... uh, technology they will never experience what it is like to dial a phone uh, send a fax uh, type on a typewriter take take a photograph with film Um, so cds vhs's even dvds they're all going by the wayside now and these kids um, they were 2010 was actually the year that ipads were first created which is kind of ironic because that's the start of their generation but they will be all big into this artificial intelligence, robotics, remote medicine, um, remote education, 3D printing, all those kinds of things. <clears throat> so, yeah, they're, they're unique in that no one else has ever had that scenario yeah. being born into that. Yeah, it's it's very true. When um, I was teaching uh, not that long ago and I pulled out um, a um, Palm Pilot. Mm. Watch that. And <laughs> these kids looked at that and were like, what, what is that? Mm-hmm. And, and then I had a, a walkie talkie. And they were like, 
what what is that thing <laughs> and and you know and 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 then of course i brought out my atari um joystick and mm. some of them caught that one because they've seen their parents playing around with video games. Yep. But but I'm like, yeah, you know, when we first had, I mean, well, when I I I actually, um, and I've misplaced it, but I have I have one of the original. It was called Pong, and it was just this little controller that all you did you had to spin the, oh, wow. the knob, you turned the knob, and that was it. That was the only mm -hmm. thing you could do. I mean, I think it did have some buttons on the side. But you played this a couple like three games on your TV with that thing. Um, and that was, I think, our first game system. And yeah, and now, yes, you look at it and go, these kids are playing stuff on on the iPad that I'm just like, how, how are you doing that? Yeah. Um, and their controller, you know, I mean, yeah, they're they they're not watching even regular TV. Everything's streamed on YouTube, and yes. that's where they get all their info. And yep. Yeah, it's it's crazy um, to to imagine um, that. Yeah, this generation has no clue what a corded telephone is and what call waiting is or dial up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Boy, am I aging myself? Um, but it's it's fascinating because these this you're right. This generation has become quite the digital, um, you know, uh, generation. It's also you know been labeled very high anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. is also one of their labels coming through, you know, now, you know, for some of them in the middle of their lifespan or early lifespan, it's, it's the the pandemic. Um, so it's interesting to see some of that. So, you know, in your, in your book, you share about some of the variety of influences that have impacted this generation. How, how have those things impacted the kids and, and why exactly are they powerful influencers um, in that? Well, you mentioned a couple of them already. Um, so our our youngest uh, is about to graduate from college. Um, she's an early graduate. She's only 18. And she would tell us stories of her friends. It's a Christian university she attended and a good one too. Uh, but she would be telling us constantly stories about um, girls that were cutting themselves, threatening suicide. They were having panic attacks and um, just a list of of things basically related to anxiety. And I said, Jamie, what on earth is going on out there? Mm. She said, well, mom, yeah. look at the world we're growing up in. And she's got a point, you know, I mean, um, I, I think it's chapter two in my book. It says, what a wonderful world. Well, our world from this perspective is not so wonderful anymore. Um, there is so much going on with mass shootings and violence and wars and gender confusion and sex trafficking and fentanyl over. I mean, there is so many things bad just in the actual world. And then add to that COVID, um, of course, and the experts say that COVID will have a significant impact and be a defining moment for this generation of our generation alpha. They, they call them COVID babies. And they say that the younger you are, when something like that happens, the more it will impact you. Um, mm. So we we're adding in, this horrible couple of years where face masks and isolation were the thing. And who knows how, I think we've yet to grasp the full extent of what that's doing to this generation. Right. Um, and then of course, technology. Well, you know, we can see these kids running around with an iPad and get frustrated, but think about it during COVID, what did they have to do? Their schools closed and they had right. to go on a screen. 
um, their parents were busy trying to work. And so it was also their childcare. Um, so we've shoved it into their hands by necessity, plus they're naturally, um, def- they're just natural with it. I don't know if you've watched, well, you know, when something goes <laughs> wrong, who do you call? Your teenage kid, right? Yeah. They yep. just naturally yep. know how to do it. Um, yep. So if you add that to everything else, um, that's what's, you know, that's what's happening to them. Yeah. So I'm going to go a little off script here. So when you see that, um, well, maybe it's not necessarily off script because we were going to talk about the next thing is, is, is what should, how should the church be leaning into this? Um, because, you know, you mentioned several times in the book of, of how, you know, we've got more resources than we've ever had. And, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, you look at that and then you go, well, we've had more technology than we've ever had. Right. And both of them, we see a spiritual disconnect. We see a relational spiritual disconnect. So what should church leaders understand? How, how do we engage this generation when they're, they're, they're electronically disconnected, they're spiritually disconnected. What, what should we be looking at and thinking about, um, when it comes to, to this generation? Oh gosh. Yeah. So, um, the, the research tells us that the kids and the, and their parents, um, see the church as being irrelevant, Mm. being untrustworthy and therefore not worthy of belief. Uh, so wow. taking the first one, irrelevant, um, I'm thinking to myself, how on earth could we be irrelevant? We have the answer to all of these issues, <laughs> and yet they're seeing it as being irrelevant. And what it boiled down to in my mind is that we're teaching the story of Noah without telling the kids to think through how must Noah have felt when the whole um, town was laughing at him. How, how might that, so we, we're teaching the Bible story, but we're not translating it into real life issues. Um, mm. Do you think maybe he might've been bullied or abused verbally, um, laughed at, mocked, obviously. We, we don't talk about that and then translating that into what should we do when that happens at school? Um, so the world is out there aggressively teaching their secular worldview and we're teaching nice Bible stories. Uh, which is great, but we're not addressing their hurts or talking about the answers to them. Therefore we're irrelevant. Um, So they, they want answers to why am I feeling this way? Why is Mary now Mark? Why is Steve wearing a dress? And we're, you know, talking about Esther, but we don't talk about the fact that she stood up and it was to the point of death. How can we translate that into real life? So that's, to me, that's the first one. Um, we are not being relevant in that respect. As for trust, uh, millennials especially do not trust institutions and that carries over into churches. And when you look at what's going on in churches, um, it, they we are hypocritical. I mean, we're sinners. So looking at, at Christians is not a great place to look anyway, but there's politics, um, moral failures, church splits. We argue over the, ch- the color of the carpet while people... <laughs> Um, uh, are hurting in the in the community, and the the oh. homeless shelters are bursting at the seams. So their trust has been broken. They also prioritize safety and security. I think we do pretty well with that with kids. We've we've pretty much got that down with our security systems. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's a really big deal for them, their trust. They're not going to put their children in a ministry where the church is not being, is not united or is has ripples, undercurrents going through, which sound like some of those things. Um, so when you put those two together, the conclusion is they don't, they don't believe anymore. They don't believe in the church. And even worse, they don't believe that God has anything to offer or he doesn't exist either. Um, and I think that comes back to our world and its view of relativism. Um, there is no longer any universal code of belief. Um, and so, you know, what's good for you is good for me. If I'm okay, you're okay. All that sort of nothing right, not, not wrong or right, no black and white. Um, so they, they're going through those situations. How do we, uh, how do we compensate for that? How do we respond? I really think it's important. First of all, um, we need to focus on relationships. You talked about technology. We, you're right. We have all of the systems down. We've got our, you know, flashing lights and and our great backdrops and stuff like that. But what the kids really need is is a friend, a, a mentor, someone older yeah. that they can trust to talk to about these issues. Um, and then I think also we need to have them experience God for themselves. It's it's great when it's up in their head, but it needs to translate that twelve inches down into the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk in my book about how we can do that. What are some ways that we can um, convert this head knowledge into real life experience? Uh, it was a, a couple of years ago when our youngest was, I think she was probably 13. We were starting a new midweek program at our church and it was our first night coming up. And she said, mom, I am going to pray for nine girls in my group. Well, we had divided the, uh, the audience, the hopeful audience into four groups. There was younger boys, older boys, younger girls, older girls. She had the old, older girl class and she said, I want nine. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if I average that out, that's 36 kids. I'd be lucky. I'd be thrilled if we got 20 because it's our first time. This has never been done before. So I'm <laughs> like, oh, what do I say to her? You know, I don't want to flatten her enthusiasm, but at the same time, I don't want to grossly disappointed. So I said, yeah. Jamie, you know, I think it'd be great, you know, go ahead and pray for that. But, you know, don't, you know, don't expect, uh, and I could hear myself saying what I shouldn't be saying. Well, <laughs> during the week we had about, I think it was four or five signed up and I was thrilled. She was not. She said, I'm still praying, mom. I want that nine. For some reason she had that number in her head. Yeah. And the night, the night of the event, as she got, it was, she had seven that had finally signed up at the last minute. We had seven and she's like, not good enough. She was miserable. And it, <laughs> I was, I, I remember sitting at the check-in desk, we had, we got everything set up and the phone rings and I pick up the phone and it's a mom. I didn't know who she was, never heard from her. She wasn't one of our church families. She said, Hey, I just wanted to know if it was too late to bring two of my kids along to your program tonight. And I said, no, no, not at all. I said, how, what are their ages and genders? She said, it's two girls in fourth and fifth grade. And I'm like that, that made nine. And that experience in Jamie's wow. life, she will never forget it because she yeah. tested the waters. She prayed like she'd never prayed before. God answered her prayers and she experienced God for herself. Um, and if you met her on the street awesome. and you said, what was one of the best things that ever happened during that program? She would tell you when I prayed for nine girls. Um, and that's what we need to do. Somehow we have to figure out a way to have our yes. kids experience God for themselves. And And again, like I said, I talk about, a lot of different suggested ways. My book is, 
my book is full, filled with um there are statistics and it will depress you because that's where the world is at but then it turns a corner and gives a whole bunch of different suggestions on what you could try depending on where you're at and stuff so and that's what i loved about it i think i told you that in person is it's so practical that this this really does it's a wake up call it's a reality check mm -hmm. which we all need because we get too comfortable um and to me it's it's a it's a, it it gives every leader regardless of what context you're serving in whatever whatever community context you have it's giving you a challenge to think about the what ifs and the what could we do's mm. and and really leading you to what should you be doing um and and what should you put out in front um is a high priority because uh, i've said this multiple multiple times on this podcast I, I feel like as a the body of Christ, we have missed an opportunity to take something so terrible as a pandemic. Mm. And we started all this creativity, even though a lot of it was was really reactionary. <laughs> um, we were reacting to what was happening. We didn't have time to respond. It was a reaction. So we started creating all this stuff. We started doing new things and innovative things. And honestly, we were drawing in people and and even children that that hadn't been reached by the church previously. And then as soon as the pandemic supposedly has gone away, we went right back to the old stuff. Right. And 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 then people wonder, why aren't people coming back to church and why aren't yeah. we drawing more children? And now some areas, I mean, I will say it's not like that everywhere. Um, there are lots of churches that are seeing an influx and people are coming, but that's what I loved about your book was the fact that you, you do turn that corner to say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to give you a blueprint. I'm going to give you some things to think through for your culture and context, because we need to wake up to this. We need to get the churches often we're so slow and we're behind, you know, culture has shifted and we're catching up mm -hmm. and it's, and 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 that's we've got a God who's a bit ahead of culture, <laughs> who yep. knew all this beforehand, and yet why is that, you know anyway that's a whole other podcast. We, um, yep. So as you're looking at all of this, what are some le things that leaders really need to start doing or getting right? Give us one or two things. Obviously, I want people to grab the book because you've got a whole lot more to talk about in there. But pick one or two things that you think a leader should be thinking through and understanding if they're going to be relevant and they're going to reach this generation, what do they need to be doing? Um, I think my biggest takeaway from the whole thing that I learned was um, our preteens. So I read while I was researching um, that if you looked at the brain scans of pre uh, preschoolers, three to four-year-olds, they are nearly identical to that of an 11 or 12 year old. The brains look the same because wow. they are both going into stages of life where major change is happening. We already knew that about our preschoolers, but the preteens are getting ready yeah. for youth and adulthood. And um, they go through a phase called cognitive. Um, oh goodness. Now I've forgotten the word uh, cognitive pruning where they cut out from their lives the things that they deem unnecessary 
to make room for what they believe is right and relevant and true. Wow. Um, what we need to do is make sure they're not cutting or pruning God out of their lives. And that because they're so malleable at that stage, they're all, they, I believe they're as receptive as preschoolers. They're the kids that we need to focus on um, the fact that they are <clears throat> so uh, technologically involved is actually making them extremely lonely. Those so-called relationships on social media mm. are not real. And right. what they long for is uh, real relationships. So focusing on that, plus the fact that they are transitioning from concrete to abstract thinking, um, and they're so visual with the touch screens and the apps and everything, we need to change what we're doing with those kids. A lot of churches, I'm sure, are already doing this, but like the third through fifth graders need to, instead of having um, linear teaching with a monologue up the front, lecturing the class, they need to turn the chairs into circles and have the kids talking and discussing and solving problems uh, for themselves. Think, you know, instead of telling them the answers, we throw out a problem and let them think it through to get their answers. Um, I really think that that's one way we can prep our uh, preteens for the beginning of that transition into adulthood. Um, and I think they're at the greatest risk for pruning God out of their lives. Yeah. Um, so that would be my priority. Ooh, that's a good one right there. Wow. <laughs> so what surprised you most as you started learning about this generation? Um, what, 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 what surprised you? What was like, whoa, I, that, kind of jarred you a little bit i think it was kind of like what i just said um it's not just even technology it's the touch screens they they are very hands-on mm -hmm. um and the way they learn is different um because they're visual and i think that was probably most of what i read what i read sort of just went yep that makes sense that makes sense uh -huh. i can see that everywhere you know um <laughs> So it was in one sense it was it was predictable. What was more important was what do we do about it? Um okay. how do we do it? And and I think probably probably the second biggest, maybe the biggest thing is I was in a fairly large church last year helping out with their VBS program, a couple of hundred kids, and I asked the guy, the children's pastor, would you mind if I do a survey of your kids? And he said, sure. And so I, I surveyed, got all the teachers, all the leaders of the VBS to ask the kids on their own individually one question, um, how, do, how do we get to heaven? And out of 200 of these kids, uh, most of them involved in the church already, only 30 knew uh, the actual gospel message that because Jesus wow. died for my sins, if I believe that I go to heaven. And I think in our in our stress and overload and COVID and I don't know about you, but when I was in kids ministry, I was literally running flat out from the time I stepped foot in the church yep. till the, till the minute I shut the lights out, I was running. Um, the other staff were sitting down, having coffee, chatting on the phone. <laughs> and I literally was going backwards and forwards from my office to the resource room, backwards and forwards all the time, running like crazy. Yep. I think we're all so busy that we can lose sight of the fact that we only have this short period of time, maybe one hour a week, if we're lucky, if to we're invest lucky. in these kids. And so therefore, every, sing every single thing we do with them, we need to build the gospel into it somehow so that by the time they finish, they know it. They they may not 
we can't press them to believe it, but they at least know right. what the gospel is. And I think that may be an area that we're not doing so well at. I agree. Um, I, I can't push back on that one because I wholeheartedly agree. I was just speaking. I did a, a next gen retreat here recently and I had somebody ask me, what would you do if you were going to start over? If you were going to start children's and student ministry over again, what would you do differently? Or what would you do stronger even now? Um, and I said, um, well, it's something that I've always been committed to, but it would be it would be even more so of presenting the gospel loud, clear, simple mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And like you said, getting kids in a group and asking them that kind of a question and asking them to process it for themselves. And mm -hmm. what does that look like? And how does that, how does even the gospel conflict with what they're hearing out in the world today yep. um, that brings them hope and joy and peace? Because there's all those things that offer, you know, that they think offer them, you know, ultimate salvation personally, and, and they're missing the truth. So I, I think that is spot on. And I hope people see that in your book loud and clear because you really do press that um, home. So what do you hope that people will take away um, after reading the book? Um, that these kids, they're a moving target. Um, mm -hmm. our, our lens might be focused on them today. And then two years from now, we need to adjust. And um, Valerie Bell, you've probably heard of her. She wrote Resilient, mm -hmm. right? Most yep. people know that book. It's great. She says in her book, she said, I fear that our assumption of sameness, our cluelessness in the midst of big cultural shifts may lead us to be unresponsive to the needs that these shifts present. And I think our culture is shifting. And the biggest yeah. mistake we can do, we can make in kids ministry is to assume that programs that were successful in the past are going to be successful now. I think I know we're busy. I know we're going nonstop, but somewhere we need to stop for a second, think, how do we need to adjust our focus on this new generation? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that's that's come on my radar recently is the fact that we also can't label I mean, we, we tend to label this generation in a big, you know, span, but there's a lot of micro generations mm. creeping into these other generations. Sure. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see, too, is that you have that period of three to five years or, or a little bit longer, you know, with the pandemic kids, the covid babies. But inside their generation is going to come a post pandemic generation. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, boy, I, I think this book is timely. Um, and, and I hope that, that uh, listeners will go and grab this. How can they get a, a copy? Um, where, where can they go and where can they learn more about what you, what you do? Um, well, it's not quite out yet. Um, I'm hoping to get the advanced copies really soon, but they can go to when you see fireflies.com, um, and they can pre-order it there and I will ship it as soon as they come in. Um, it will eventually be up if you Google it or not Google it. If you search it on Amazon, you'll see it. It's there. It's just not quite, they haven't got it quite ready. It's something to do with <laughs> meta, meta stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah. Barnes and Nobles, all those kinds of places that <laughs> it will be out there. Um, <clears throat> so that's out there. And then my nonprofit, my little baby <laughs> 
graceforkids.com. Um, that's where I have tried to produce resources that incorporate the gospel in everything. I use a very simple gospel outline, uh, four points, four verses. I'm a sinner, Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, Jesus died on the cross, Romans 5.8, and all I have to do is believe, John 3.16. Um, and I, when when I was in my kids' ministry position, we I trained our leaders to use those four points and those verses all the way from preschool all the way up to preteen so that every year they would hear the same thing over and over and it would be consistent mm -hmm. so yeah. it would be easier to learn. Uh, so I've built that into everything that I've got on that website. Um, my biggest thing uh, that I've just finished is six different milestone celebrations. Uh, one of my um, biggest frustrations was trying to figure out how to incorporate parents into the ministry more. We all talk about partnering with mm -hmm. parents. Um, these six different milestones are created for the purpose of having a parent come with their child. So, for example, obviously not parent-child dedications. The child, well, the child probably would be there, but, but they, mm -hmm. they'd be too little. And then they have um, salvation uh, when they first get their, their Bible, when they learn to read and they transition out of preschool, um, baptism, communion, and then when they graduate out of children's ministry, having a, an afternoon or session where you have the parent join the kids, um, come in, and they then they listen and they hear the gospel as well. Um, so that's the latest Thanks. thing um, I've done. But there's gospel tracks, activity books, and even a brand new VBS program. So um, that's graceforkids.com. Fantastic. All right. Well, this book will be out soon. So get your, get ready for it and get it on your order list uh, or pre-order it on her website. Like she said, we'll put the links in the show notes as well um, so that you can, can take advantage of grabbing this. But I highly recommend you read it, read it with your team uh, and think through how do we need to get ahead of this generation and how do we need to watch as it grows and it changes uh, what can we do to minister and serve them well? So, well, Janine, my friend, thank you so much for taking time uh, to join me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Remember, if there's anything we can do to serve you, we're here for you. Uh, if you're a hurting and burned out leader, struggling with overwhelm, check out Restoring Leaders. Uh, org. We would love to serve you over there. KMCCoach.net. If you're looking for leadership coaching, you need to build. Um, we're available for trainings and seminars, and we will come and serve you however we can. So God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this podcast with others. And stay tuned for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.